Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Collicott. With new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month, catch Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind podcast. I am Dan Collicott. I am here with my horror fiends. Imran Mirza and TJ Sutherland in an episode where we will be talking about what the hell scares us. So what from the horror genre, film and TV work out there really sticks with us, what gives us the willies, uh, what keeps us awake at night, gives us nightmares and, you know, perhaps what we enjoy in terms of horror films and franchises and all things horror that we want to talk about. So I'm going to kick this off a little bit by talking about what I perceive as the main elements of horror in film and TV. So number one, I would I would talk about the psychological aspect of horror. So something that gets in your head that that plays with your perception and and sort of messes with your mind. Um, So it's not so much, I don't know, it it can be visual, it can stay with you, but ultimately it it preys on your mind. And then there's horror that is a bit more physical, so jump scares, things that come out of nowhere, you know, loud noises, things where you don't expect something to be. Um, And then last of all, gore. Basically gore, splatter, dismemberment, anything where where someone's kind of attacked, hacked to pieces, eaten, bitten, um, and all kinds of fun and incredibly intense and creative ways. horror directors and writers down the years have found to um, dismember a human corpse, usually in zombie films. So so the gore aspect of it. So spinning up again, so that's gore, that's kind of physical jump scares and sound, and then there's the more um, visceral kind of mind-numbing aspect of horror, psychological horror. So I am going to go first. So if we we were, we were talking about just before the podcast started about three levels that we're at. Me being level three, uh, a super fan. TJ being level two, a fan of some yeah. horror, but not... Um, not, not yeah, 1.75. 1.75. Not quite a super fan. And Iman, who's not... Being a Disney Plus subscriber. <laughs> Exactly. I'm going to go to level two. So I'm going to go to TJ and say, when you first think, so you got to, you got to go for your the the first thing that really comes to your mind. It could be from your childhood, could be from the first horror film you ever saw, but but anything that that really kind of sticks with you in terms of making you feel a bit scared, um, whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling. Where 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 do you go? What is your mind? Um, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh. That was one of the first. Um, and my sister's a big horror fan. 
and she I'm gonna say made me watch it although <laughs> my memory of going that far back is a bit sketchy so it might be that I invaded uh, her space and and tried to sit down and watch it but I just remember that being kind of my first kind of horror thing oh it might maybe it was on tv one Halloween or something like that but anyway um I remember that being one of the first things I watched uh, that I thought, fuck that, and then stayed with me for a long time. And I didn't actually, I don't think I actually sat down and watched the whole film. I think I caught like bits and pieces of it and I just saw the imagery. And I mean, like, you know, anyone that's seen him knows what the dude looks like. That hat's atrocious. Um he just he's just a terrifying looking figure for what year did the first film come out Dan you would know as a official oh, um, I don't I think it's late 80s um yeah sounds sounds about right but um yeah I I just remember kind of 1984 yeah, yeah. so I would I would have been um eight when that came yeah. out so if it was on TV, so yeah, maybe he was about like 10 years old. And yeah, I just remember seeing him being absolutely terrified. And actually, because I didn't watch the whole film, so I didn't know about his story and all the rest of it. Later on, I found out, obviously, he had been satellite and he was like a possible paedophile and he could kill you in your dreams and all, all that weird extra... And he was f- the, son, the son of a thousand bastards, all madmen. Yep, all of that stuff. So right. then you add that on top add, add that on top of uh the law behind the imagery and it's just like, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah, when I think horror, that's uh, actually when I think horror or someone says the word horror, that uh, is actually one of the first images that enters my mind. It it's interesting because I would say um uh you know, Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street films, they they kind of they they straddle all three elements of horror. So they're incredibly psychological because at the end of the day, when you're talking about your own dreams and nightmares where you're you're stuck in your own nightmare, I mean what is more petrifying than that? Without going without having a guy with um razor uh, razor sharp knives for hands. But the yeah. fact that you, you can't escape your own nightmare. So that's kind of like a psychological element. And then there's plenty of of really schlock gore horror. There's a lot of comic horror, um, and I, I'm not. I mean, there, there there's definite jump scares in there because um, mm. I think in the '80s, um, very loud kind of noisy jump scares was was kind of a, a big trope. But yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's, it's one of my fa- personally. It's one of my favorites. I, I also grew up i can't remember i can barely remember watching the first couple of films i think i think my mum or they were on tv or something and i caught bits and pieces of it so i was aware what freddy krueger was and i remember the two girls singing the song Hmm. Um, but i didn't really know that much about it and then it was the dream i think it was the third film the dream warriors was dream warriors yeah yeah the first one i actually watched all the way through because um, mm. that was really brilliant because they actually learned to control their dreams and go in and go after Freddy. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. 
but yeah, that's 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 one that sticks with me. And and also, I think like I, my my parents are quite uh, quite religious, and I've used to go to church every Sunday when I was a kid and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not so religious now, but any films that have kind of religious, any horror films, sorry, that have kind of religious connotations, so stuff like, <clears throat> excuse me, stuff like The Omen, um, Exorcist, stuff like that, that always gives me, as you said earlier, the willies a little bit. And I don't know why that is, because I'm not religious at all. So, um, I say at all, maybe a little. But yeah, for some, I think maybe it's just something that's in my subconscious that anything that's kind of based around demonic possession, that kind of thing, um, when there's religious connotations, that all, always kind of sets me back a little bit. Well, I mean, that, that's a perfect example because the, the reason why that is, is those type of films like, you know, Damien the Omen and The Exorcist, there's, there's elements of, well, there's real world elements that are yeah. being brought out, whether they're exaggerated, whether those those elements ever happened or are real, you know, there, there's so much documentation and, and kind of examples of the things that you're seeing on screen and, mm. you know, that they're, they're manipulating. That's a level of reality to it, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. They're, 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 mm. they're manipulating religious words, dogma, readings, books, whatever you call it. In a way yeah. that, yeah, it, it that element of reality kind of, it, it just sits uncomfortably. Um, yeah. And especially, I think, um, I remember when I first watched uh, Poltergeist and the scene where she, well, where, where she does the thing with the cross, let's say. <laughs> and, and even though I'm not, particularly religious but i was you know my I, some of my family were and i you know i, I as usually you know i spent time at church as a kid at mm. school so when you see something like that you know that level of blasphemy and, and a cross mm. being used as a sexual sexual weapon or whatever it, it really does you know it it, it 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 tears a hole into your conscious and sort of says you know that's 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 just that's, wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, it just and it really fucks with that. So yeah, that that's that's a really good point. Um, um, and I think one one last quick one as well. Um, when I was a kid, I was scared of dogs, and ooh. I'm fine with dogs now. Um, and I have no idea why I was scared. It was a period where I was scared, scared of dogs for a long time. Um, but to this day, I'm I can't do werewolf films. So like American Werewolf in London. Uh, like serious wolf. I mean, Teen Wolf. Are fine, you know whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Wall Street. But, okay. Wolf, yeah, Wall Street. Wolf, Wall Street's fine. But yeah, any any serious, uh, gory like horror films with werewolves that uh, with werewolves is uh, is a big no for me to this day. But and I'm fine with dogs. And I I I, I always kind of associate that with it somewhat. I think I think there's mm. something in there. Around that, that again, that imagery, that dog imagery, and um, I think there's a little bit of that still, still in my mind. Have you seen Cujo? No, I've heard of it though. Yeah, that's that's a werewolf movie, right? Obviously, because we're talking about werewolf movies. No, 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 it's not a werewolf movie. It's a it's ah. a mad dog. 
It's a Stephen. I think it's Stephen King. It, it's okay. basically a, a dog which I can't remember. It's, it's been so long since I've I've read. I think there is a film of it, but uh, I think I've heard the dog, name before. Dog gets rabies or something, which turns it into a killer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I don't think I'll be seeing that one. <laughs> the be- the best werewolf film. I mean, don't get me wrong. American Werewolf in Old London Town is, is probably the classic werewolf film. But if you ever seen Dog Soldiers, that is amazing. Oh, is that the one? Is that Sean Pertwee in that? It one? is. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, that one. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? That one actually got me over my my kind of fear of werewolf films because oh, as wow. a kid, I actually remember seeing. Um, that was it. Michael Jackson thriller, the werewolf. Oh yeah, in oh, that that that, that, me out. that messed me up real bad. Because <laughs> yeah. I I think as well when I saw that I I kind of caught it. I think that that was at a time when I was um, still I was scared of dogs, and I saw it, but I didn't know it was coming. So then yeah. when it happened, I was just like, "What the? F- no, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that that was not a great experience for me. Even now watching it, I'm still a little bit. Yeah, even well, though it's, it's mental because it's John Landis who did um, American Werewolf in Old London Town, did all the, right. the you know the well directed, produced, and the special oh, okay. and the sequence. Yeah. So so yeah, it's so similar to American Werewolf. But I remember like every time American Werewolf came on, I would catch bits of it, and I would just be like, no. <laughs> Not after the Michael Jackson thing. I can't. I can't do it. Scarred for life. Scarred. That. That's just too horrendous. And then, um, yeah, I saw Dog Soldiers and thought, oh man, that's that's brilliant. And I've gone okay. backwards and watched. Um, quite Aversion a therapy. Yeah, practically. Yeah. Nice. So we're descending now to level one, Mister Merza. What uh, what keeps you up at night? Apart from your kids. Chippendale. <laughs> the most prominent childhood uh, memory I have of a of a horror movie uh, is far and away. I t- well, firstly, I'd like to shout out two things that you guys said that I completely forgot, but were great great um, suggestions in Omen and the Michael Jackson thriller video, which is like Jesus. I remember seeing that for the first time and turn that off that was petrifying but um so those are two great shouts but for me it was the shining and that's been the definitive uh uh horror thing for me which i I don't know if you is it a questionable inclusion uh into the genre i'm not sure if there's any um no 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 definitely no yeah Uh, and and also jess's favorite film really yep have you both have you well all three of you, in fact, have you seen um, Doctor Sleep, the follow-up? No, uh, she no. has, yes, but I've, I've not seen it. Um, well, so yeah, I, I'm. I was kind of very reticent about seeing it. I thought, you know what, I don't want something as perfect as The Shining ruined by another person's kind of, you know, take on the material. Not not Stephen King. I mean, who whoever made the the film, but. It got it got quite good reviews, and I went to see it. And yeah, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed it um, for lots of reasons, which I won't go into spoilers. But yeah, I I, I recommend it. Okay. Yeah. Did it do well in terms of box office or reviews? I 
reviews were fairly okay. I think some people loved it, some people were uh, a bit mixed, but horror films never consistently get critical acclaim these days, mainly because the the uh, the machine that is Blumhouse, which seems to make every single horror film which gets to the cinema, does tend to churn out, as well as some good films, quite a lot of crap. So it doesn't really make horror films uh, that likable um, in the press. But yeah, it was it was it was way better than I thought it was, and um, yeah, I'd watch it again. I I would watch it again. Yeah, it was. So, so what is it about the shining? The shining, the shining. That, uh, no, that's a good one. That's the Simpsons riff, isn't it? The shin, the shin, yeah, shin, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the shining. The shining. Um, uh, well, yeah, there's a few quite prominent. I saw it once. I would think I was probably about nine. Uh, it was a huge mistake. Uh, like I, I remember, because the way my, um, I had like the box room at my family home and I, you know, with, I was nine, so I stepped with the door open. And if I put my head up in bed, it went down the hallway, yeah. like the, my view, which if you've seen the film, you know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> Did you have the same, yeah. the same copy on wallpaper? No, thankfully, no. And there was no blood that poured out from the hallway or anything, but just the notion there was, of those two girls. But there was a little kid on a tricycle. It was, <laughs> it was the two girls, though. Like, I, I'd sort of sit up and I just, I couldn't sleep. I, like, I literally couldn't sleep for three or four days. It just had such an incredible impact. Everything about the film, um, I just, and it's kind of weird because it's not like, a, like you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's, I guess it's more of a psychological, psychological yeah. And I, I for a night, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know if if a nine year old would watch that and just think this is boring. Like turn it off, you know. As opposed to, um, just the completely. I haven't seen it since, and I'm sort of I'm at a point where I'm quite up for seeing it because um, I can't imagine it's going to hit me in the the same way. I think I would probably watch it now and think this is a really good, like tense as hell movie. Um, I do, but the I impact do. is. Yeah. I was gonna say I do wonder if like it's interesting you say you know if a nine year old will watch it now and and be as freaked out about it. I guess that there's a number of factors involved in that, like how how active is your imagination and how how much of the film you can understand in terms of mm. what's going on or what it's trying to suggest to you. Um, I mean, if you've got quite an active imagination, I I can imagine watching a film like that would send your mind into overdrive a little bit because it. it you know, it leaves a lot of things open. It, it, you know, it's it's quite uh, deceptive in the way it presents things sometimes, and leaves a lot of things open to interpretation, which in itself can be a bit freaky and uh, and a little bit scary. So, yeah, I've always taken from just from a storytelling kind of perspective um, that point where so if you if see yourself as one of uh, like. Um, one of the the family for example and your the patriarch is is slowly losing his mind you know and descending into complete madness i always like from a storytelling perspective that point where you you've reached the point where you know you've crossed over that line and then you kind of think back to the beginning of the story and you think hang on at what point did we just completely lose control of of this where seemingly they're looking at him and they're not seeing anything is actually interacting with him 
you know they don't know where his mind has gone at at what point and i i don't know from from a storytelling perspective that point of when did when did everything change when when did we get to this this specific point so for them it was like you know it was they had a, a I can't remember actually. Were, were they were they a tight knit family at the beginning of the movie? Mm, I think was there. I think, a, they, they, I think they got him well enough. I don't. I don't think it was like a. No, he was a recovering alcoholic, I believe. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. There, yeah. so, so just to say why? Well, it, oh God, it's so difficult to kind of come at this critically because. Stephen King really didn't like that that version of the film. Oh, really? But yeah, he he's not he not he's gone on record to say he wasn't a really big fan of Kubrick's take on it, even though I think it's absolute genius. But one thing you will get out of Doctor Sleep is it not not quite it doesn't doesn't really retcon, but it does bring out a lot of elements that Stephen King wanted in the first film it it kind of almost like makes up for it by drawing on them drawing on that that kind of plot and character elements and backstory in in doctor sleep so mm-hmm. without you know without trying to ruin the legacy of the first film it just adds quite a lot of color to that that family and that past and what happened and how it happened so it's like it it depends because some people like The Shining because you you can interpret it in a thousand ways. You can it's got so many layers and kind of you know rich uh, well, I don't know just depth to it that you can just you know it it can it can be experienced differently for everyone who watches it. So if you are one of those people you probably won't want to watch Dr. Sleep because Dr. Sleep pretty much explains everything that happened in The Shining. Okay. So it's either a good thing if you want that or it's a bad thing if you kind of liked leaving it uh, you know, open to interpretation. Also, at this point, I want to give a shout out to Jess because uh, if she gets around to listening to this, she's going to be shouting at the podcast or whatever device she's listening to. Um, because she absolutely loves The Shining, so yeah, good. Wow. Hmm. Well, I can't imagine that's her favorite yeah, well. film. That's petrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do need to man up and watch it again. Like it, it obviously it's been a mighty long time, but uh, um, yeah, I don't. I can't imagine what impact it would have on me. It's literally the most the defining kind of just horror. You know the the thing that it, as a as a kid that just petrified me, and uh, I, I I have to confess, as I said before we started recording, that I don't have a, an extensive list of things to draw from, but um, I I have seen Nightmare on Elm Street and um, uh, uh, various others that have already been mentioned, but um, nothing like The Shining has ever had there has impacted on me. Actually, going back to what I uh, kind of question, I came up with myself and answered myself earlier. When someone says the word horror to you, what is the first thing, imagery or thoughts or feelings you that conjures in your mind as a as a level one? <laughs> Who me? Uh, no, uh, Imran. Oh, Imran. Sorry. Oh, that's, Sorry. That's a great question, and it's something I was kind of hoping we could move on to the latter part. So I won't yeah, delve sure. too okay. much on that yeah. part. But no, but no, that's, that's a great point because I, I I'm kind of 
well, I'll, I'll give a tease just to sort of prep you for it. But I'm kind of fascinated by that question uh, in terms of what constitutes horror in like in the 21st century. Um, because I think the examples that we've given so far, you know, we've put us in the 1970s, 80s, etc. And mm. it's it's more, um, we, we have that kind of, like, well, Freddy Krueger, we've mentioned, we've mentioned uh, Damien from The Omen, we've mentioned um, uh, uh, Stephen King uh, 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 narrative. And it's it's, these are quite interesting sort of examples, but I think what constitutes horror in the 21st century are, are so vastly different. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious that, kind of discuss that with you later yeah. um but for for me that's a really great question uh, again uh, the you know it is the first visual is the the two, the two twin girls and mm. in the shining like it's it is the it, yeah it is the <laughs> it's the definitive image of horror for me <laughs> I, I think that's i think that's why it is an interesting question because you know is it the first memory you have of a true horror film or is it something that you've seen that stayed with you like you know if you for Dan it might be something that he saw in a film last week that that is the most shocking thing or the thing that stayed with him I just I find it interesting um and that that question what immediately springs into your head when someone says the word horror Oh man, yeah, I, I would say I would say The Shining for me, um, but then I'm kind of sometimes I'll get the flash of like a like a, something more contemporary in terms of oh, yeah. an extreme level of violence, yeah, or like yeah. like hostile or something like that, you yeah. know. So that's sort of the opposite end for me. But mm. no, as a as a first thought, I I would I would go with 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 The Shining. So and Jess is booing me right now. Yeah, saying yeah. loser. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. That, so um, what about you Mr. guys? Mr. C, what, what um, well, I was just going to ask Dan's question back in. What, what are the things that um, kind of stayed with you and given, given you the willies? <laughs> um, As a hardcore, don't mess about, make my eyes bleed horror fan <laughs> well i think um there's not much in terms of horror films that really have that impact on me i think i've got numb because i've seen so many um hmm. but i would say the aspect of it that that does still kind of i don't know yeah that that, that kind of stimulates uh my horror centers of the brain is always sort of paranormal home you know kind of house-based paranormal um films where any anything where it's done convincingly where it's not not big jump scares and not doors slamming i can't i can't i really despise films where it's like a, a door banging or a door suddenly slamming is their biggest uh, horror device that just could be like someone standing in the shadows, but just like just slightly out of vision, and something like that. Might yeah, be that's much that. better, yeah. much more cerebral. Where a camera moves across, and you just catch something, and you're like, "Whoa, what was that?" And then the yeah, camera, and you're not sure if you actually saw it or not, and you yeah. start questioning yourself. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> the type of things. I mean, um, I think there there's one really 
excellent bit in the 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 first remake. There's been another remake recently, but the first American remake of The Grudge with Sarah Michelle Gellar, where she's on um, a bus or coach going somewhere, and you see the reflection of the 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 entity in the film in in the window of the coach mm-hmm. and it's just so sudden and unexpected because obviously it's, it's driving along the road there's no way anything could reflect on you know on the outside and you just see this face and that that to me is brilliant because it if you can take something completely unexpected that's also horrific to look at horrendous and put it somewhere it just shouldn't be at a time you didn't expect it, then that is, that's great from a horror perspective. By the, by the way, can I just mention that right now I'm sitting at my desk in my spare room slash office slash second bedroom, and um, I'm sitting next to a window, which is uh, <laughs> just behind me to my left. So it's just, it's just slightly outside of my field of vision, so I have to turn my head a little bit to see through it. But the window has no blind, and uh, looks out into darkness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as you were describing that, I was just like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> Jeez, so yeah, it's not it's not great. If my cat jumps out, I swear to God, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that is it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Nightmare on Elm Street, Poltergeist. I love all the big franchises, um, Friday the 13th, Jason, uh, but I would imagine for someone like you, like you say, where you've seen a lot of stuff like that, there is a lot of it that is kind of copy, you know cut and paste and by the numbers. And and once you once you've seen a lot of things in that kind of ilk, I, again, like you say, you you would go numb to it. But the more clever cerebral, because I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. One one of the things, um, another one that stuck with me is that end scene at the end of um, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. where they go down into the cellar and that girl standing there facing the wall and it just finishes. Yeah. That imagery has always kind of stayed in me. I have no idea why, but it's just, it's just this weird, like as you said before, this weird thing that just feels out of place and makes you feel uneasy and you don't quite know what you just saw. And Yeah, yeah exactly. it's a great ending. But I yeah. think, you know, I think it was the grudge as well. Um that had that thing where uh, the girl's washing her hair, and someone and she she realizes someone else's hand is on the back of what? it. What? It's things like that, and that's been done millions of times. Or a girl, I that I can't remember which film it was. Was it was it Mother or one of the Conjuring films? I can't remember which one it was, but. A girl is scared, but she hears all these noises and doors banging and things and creaking, and she hides under under the sheet in her bed. So she's under the sheet, and then basically the face of someone crawling towards her appears <laughs> under the sheet. And no. it's just, whoa, that that is no, 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 no. That's but what impact then? That what impact does that have? Or, or what impact is that? Because I kind of get the feeling that you, being the fan that you are, would watch that and go, oh, that was great. You know, <laughs> do you have stuff that when you turn the light off to go to bed, 
at any point in your life when you turn it off and you're kind of lying there and you're like it's just a movie it's just a movie it's just a movie it's just a movie like you have you ever had anything like that something that stayed with you not from a now that's a good bit of horror but something that where you yeah I, I, I do. Most of the time, you, you are right. I think a lot of films, I applaud the originality and the setup and the impact of of the scare rather than physically being scared by it. I, I don't tend to jump that much or, or respond. I, I, I kind of, I ready myself. I usually know when, it's very easy to know when something's going to come up. Because of the music, the tropes, right? Yeah, exactly. But I'm not saying that that's always the case. But certainly now, I think a lot of there are a lot of horrors, and even some of them are still, you know, it doesn't mean they're bad. That some of them are actually really good, but they are very cut and paste. But um, I often sit and sit and watch things on YouTube, um, various different clips programs that are you know, various footage um, where you see something or, you know, or you, you get a reaction to something or they slow something down and you see something in the background. And these are all things which, you know, they're taken on mobile phones or low-grade cameras or whatever. And a lot of them could, could easily be manipulated or faked. But the fact is sometimes when I'm, I'm – I could be downstairs – uh, watching these late at night and I'll be looking into my kitchen and the kitchen's pitch black and after I finish watching it I'll be like okay so I've literally just been seeing all this weird stuff happening in the kitchen where where figures appeared or something something was there or something moved across the camera or something fell off the the, the side of a table or something and then suddenly the you know the, the the YouTube video stops and I'm like oh, okay so now I've got to walk through my kitchen <laughs> and turn the light on or something like that so it, it, in fact the first paranormal activity movie was quite a good one because the when where I was living when I I, I watched it in bed and the layout of of the bedroom that I was living in at the time was identical to the bedroom that features in, in Paranormal Activity. So I remember after watching it and going to bed, I suddenly my eyes blinked back open and I was like, hmm, okay, so... Uh, yeah. It, that that kind of... even It's not particularly a scary film, it's a, yeah. but there was a psychological element to it because it's so... It's so reminiscent of every bedroom there is out there, and the layout. And I've just kind of got, got thinking: oh, Am I going to be dragged from my bed and wake up in a different part of the house? Yeah. So I think things like that do stay with me, but um, I think only because there's a part of me that wants to genuinely believe that that there is something out there, that there is something paranormal, that there is something more than, you know, uh, just our living existence. Even though I don't, I couldn't at any level protest that that is the case, but that's that's where it crosses over with me. Yeah, but watch Ghostbusters. Why watch horror? 
<laughs> like why put yourself through that <laughs> i have to say the first time i i cried in the cinema was um when i saw ghostbusters one and the librarian, the librarian. yes that scared the living crap out of <laughs> and, I, and i cried that was, that was a proper jump scare moment i mean God. i don't know how when when did that come out it's like 85 uh, yeah, I think, five. Yeah. So I was seven. Well, yeah. and I cried only for like about two minutes, and then I was laughing again at you know the joke. Was it a, was it a PG when it first came out? Yeah, I like, think so. Yeah, obviously, kids were able, obviously, you went to go and see it, so yeah, man. I mean, it's had that, that first bit, and there's a screaming, wrong. screaming skeleton. Full the full width and size of a cinema screen. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I I I saw Ghostbusters in the cinema, and I got to say, I don't remember my reaction to the library, and I honestly don't remember it. But I do remember crying and being petrified of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, now, now you're just taking a piss. I mean, no, it's a hand on heart. I, I vividly, and I kind of, I'm wondering if my mum might have seen the librarian jump coming. So she might have said, close your eyes. And then it would have been like, okay, so we close your eyes. I missed it. I might have been what happened, but I do remember being petrified of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which, and when I, you know, whenever, whenever I watch the film now, I stare at it and I'm like, what, how could that have. <laughs> I don't understand how that got a reaction. And in fairness, I'm what a couple of years younger than you, Dan. So mm. I would have been like five, I guess, when I saw that in the cinema. Still, no, ex- no excuse. However, but don't know what to say. Yeah, but, mm. but you know the the TV the TV cut of Ghostbusters. If they show it uh, before nine o'clock, they always cut the librarian oh, ghost. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that cut out before. I think uh, the first time I saw that cutout was maybe just like a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I'm sure there's something else happened here. But but I think also, um, you know, I I have a well, you know, about my love of zombie films, but yes. I do find that element of creeping dread, not so much rage zombies, because I think that's a different kind of kind of adrenaline fueled horror, but. The, the idea that there's billions of people on the planet and they all become these slow-moving creatures that can infect you or kill you. And no matter where you go, it's just the sheer numbers, the sheer odds against you of surviving against, you know your own your own race of people you know mm. humanity becomes its own its own enemy and i think that's always very clever i know george romero you know there there was a lot of kind of uh you know political ideals that he had and what he was saying in in his work um about society i won't go too much into that but even even when you don't you you don't consider the, the kind of mass consumerism of the mall where all the where everyone uh, when they're the undead just wanders back and starts going um, wandering around shops because they don't know any better. 
Um, but even then, you know, just just the idea of you, you can only keep running or or traveling for so long before you need before you need water, you need food, and when society breaks down and and you know the desperation of the situation, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's not just zombies; it's any kind of apocalyptic situation where society you know as soon as as soon as water becomes a currency as soon as there's no electricity there's no one to run the services you see society break down so so easily and i i find that one of the most kind of intriguing things because we you know we we live in a world i mean we're right in the middle uh, of a of a pandemic at the moment and we know how uh, what you know, incredible things that's done to society as it is. But if if that, you know, if, if uh, COVID-19 mutated or, you know, if, if it, I'm not saying mutated in the way that it, it, it turned people into zombies, I don't mean that. But if it got any worse, you know, if it got any, got to the stage where um, it became more lethal, more infectious, mutated, you know, or there was, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, 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 we're not that far away from the sort of apocalyptic scenarios that you see in a film, and and even cutting away from the the viral aspect of it, you know, we're we're probably fifty years away from some kind of environmental collapse, which means that large areas of the of the world are going to be uninhabitable so it's kind of like we're, get, we're getting closer and closer to these kind of apocalyptic um you know dark future films becoming reality and it's probably not going to be the three of us that are going to live to see it but uh generations beneath us unfortunately i i don't envy them so yeah, that's the biggest horror for me. I think the horror that some of the things that we think are going to happen are, are, you know, gonna gonna become a reality, maybe even before we die. On that tuna, yeah, <laughs> I know. Me. Happy days, mate. Wow. Iman, you had a different question. You had a different... Yeah, I did. I, I'm kind of taken um, by what constitutes horror, like in the 21st century. You know, there's the sort of the emergence of, um, I guess, violence being the the kind of the key element. Um, things like Hostel. Uh, I haven't seen a Saw movie, um, but I, I imagine that falls into the category and then there are extreme things like human centipede and things oh, like that yeah. so i mean wh- how do you for, i mean for you guys for you dan where where does where do those things kind of fall into say your affection for horror or your appreciation of the genre in general i mean that's it's a 21st century take on horror now isn't it it has evolved yeah into that yeah level. totally well it's not a 20 21st century um, because there were things like cannibal Holocaust. There's there's been a lot of um, you know body horror and torture horror. You know it, it was a thing before Hostel, but I think films like Hostel and Saw brought it into the mainstream. Whereas it was kind of a bit of a 
it was almost a little bit like snuff films, like mm. because I think uh, can is it Cannibal Holocaust, um, a number of other films were there. There were like rumors that that people really died and you know and things oh, happened. God. On oh God, there's there's loads of films if you if you kind of <laughs> dig around that sort of weird subgenre because there were I mean God you know before host before Hostel. There were films like, um, oh God, I, f- I forget the name, but fi- films about you know necrophilia and you know there there was uh, horrendous you know taboo destroying films out there. But but to come back, to- I spit on your grave as well. Wasn't that like the seventies? I've never seen that, and I absolutely never will. But yeah, well, that would pro- well that's just revenge horror, but mm. it. it but yeah, revenge slash torture horror. But um, you know, I mean, I think the phrase torture porn came about after you know Hostel and Saw and uh, and a number of other films. And I, I'm not. It doesn't do anything for me. I, I don't find it particularly scary. It's just a bit horrible and unpleasant, and I, I don't really. It doesn't shock me. But I don't derive much enjoyment. Having said that, Saw, the Saw franchise, is so layered and has so much to it, even though it shouldn't have, and you don't think it, you know, you, you would automatically assume it's just, you know, fairly done for the ingenious killings. It is actually quite good. Not all of them, not all of the Saw films, but. There's enough story in there to actually make them a little bit watchable. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was that qualified for my list. It probably doesn't, to be honest. I mean, oh. I'm probably thinking of things like again, these are I'm citing films yeah. I've never seen, but Human Centipede. Uh, have you seen a Serbian film? No, I, I've talked about it before. Um, again, but, yeah. it, it has no appeal to me. Uh, I don't even want to. Well. For for listeners, let's not dwell on it. Even it's, yeah, it's we don't the know. worst kind of. It, it, it's basically world, a combination though. of. Uh, it's a film about snuff porn, basically, and I'll and I'll leave it at that. But the worst kinds of snuff porn, like not just yeah. Anyway, we don't want to talk about it. But it's really it's really funny because there's a whole line of thought, and I think the writer and the the director. Have you know, posited all these theories about what what the film signifies, what it's about. Mm. You know, which are like really, you you you're right. you you won't make. I well, I didn't make the link. I was just like, okay, because th- there's a film called Funny Games, which the the original was German. I think there's an American remake, and that is horrendously violent it's just about two plummy kind of upper class uh school kids well not school kids they're more like young adults who just take a family uh, who just kidnap a family um and torture them and the whole thing about it is it's supposed to be um well i don't know it, it it's supposed to riff off violence in society and be some kind of deconstruction of 
violence in films and society or something like that. And you're just like, yeah, couldn't you have found a, an easier way of making your point rather than this just really Such horrible movie where everyone, you know, everyone just dies horribly for no reason with, with no plot or motivations. And that, that I think is the, something I, I, I can't get out of horror is like horror has to have a story, has to have a reason. It has to, it has to make sense that the senseless violence and gore and scares, you know, there has to be some substance to it. Whereas there's a lot of horror where there isn't any of that. There's no structure. There's no substance. There's no, you know, tangible reasons for the violence. And you're just led through by the nose. All these set pieces of of gore and just unpleasantness. And you just have to go, why? Why did I put myself through that? And, And that's the horror. The horror is just sitting through something that absolutely takes not one single physical trope from any other form of fiction. So you just sat there going, okay, well, that was, that was great. Uh, yeah. Bit much. Bit much. Yeah. There's a lot of horror like that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how much that, yeah, there is out there. I guess there's, there's just that thing of, trying to shock people taken to like how far can you push the envelope to 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 shock people um and does it get to the point where or it it has got to a point where you know story goes out the window and you're just doing stuff just Mm. to get a reaction which i mean maybe that works for some people but yeah Teed, you kind of said that you're kind of in the middle of Dan and I in terms of your, say, appreciation for the genre. I mean, what what prevents you from going full Dan, or, you know, in like kind of deep diving into it? Like what what holds you back and what is it you don't like about it? Um, I think uh, I think pretty much a lot of stuff that Dan uh, touched upon. So, um when it comes to those kind of psychological um, elements uh, in things that he mentioned that he really likes, things like that, that those things kind of really stay with me. Um, I, I, those, yeah, I, I kind of wrap my head around watching something like the ring or the grudge or anything that has like a paranormal activity, anything that has a element of um, can't quite, tell if I don't quite know if I saw that did I you know that thing that just leaves you questioning in your mind and um leaves you questioning after the film uh that sort of thing just really messes me up um Mm -hmm. on top of the stuff that Dan said he doesn't like so in terms of a lot of the the exploitation horror all that that kind of gore for the sake of gore torture porn all of that stuff just really does turn me off um I yeah I I just can't get any sort of I, even if even if they did have a good storyline I'm sure a lot of people rave about the sort of war movies um, and how good they are but even that I'm like I can't see past the extreme levels of 
gore in the film to see whether it's a good film or not. So, yeah, I, I just can't get on board with it. So, putting almost putting your, your question to you, Iman, why don't you, 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 you know, you, you say you love love The Shining. I mean, I'm not sure if you fear The Shining or you love it or both. No, I'm petrified of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So but, once as a nine-year-old and never seen it again. I feel like I'd I'd like to now, but no, it's. I mean, it's, it's by no means a dislike. Like it's, it you know it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a masterpiece. I can appreciate it as that, but uh, yeah. For how yeah. Okay. So if I said to you, you don't have a choice. Um, I'm gonna put you in a living room in front of a TV or put you in the cinema. You have to watch a horror film. What would you? What? Where would you go to? Where would you? Con- what, what would you consider as a film? You think? Well, if I if I have to watch it, I'll give that a go. Where would oh, you that's go? That's a great question. Um. Oh man, I don't know if I need a bit more time to answer that one properly because there's there's definitely stuff I would aren't I would put on. I mean, I uh, people do talk about that first Saw film, for example. So I feel like the because there were like twenty three of them. So I feel like I should <laughs> should watch one of them at some point. But um, I uh, I don't I don't know what oh I don't know I'd have to probably defer to you guys as a, an appropriate recommendation. But so out of so so say for the classics you you've not seen you've not seen uh, Poltergeist, The Omen, Exorcist. I've seen Omen. Okay. Um. Um. Then that's yeah. That one's scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is because it's funny because I've. This has been an episode I've like in sort of preparing for. I've really tried to put one on one I've overthought, and I, I kind of trying to decipher almost in myself what specifically, like, is there a singular element in a like in a horror film that I just that I run from, you know? Because, like I said at the very beginning, almost all horror just totally gets me. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I just, I don't, I can't sit and really watch a horror film, you know, nine out of 10 that I'll sit down to watch and it'll just be like, oh, wow, I'm totally, I'm totally into this. It's totally fine. I'm going to turn it off and I'll say that was a good film and I just, it won't stay with me, but it, you know, we pretty much always will. But I think it's almost that kind of, you, you, you almost, you're talking about villains with no kind of shred of like humanity to, to them. There's no element of compassion there's no element of logic there's no one there's no way to reason with somebody who is singular minded and if we're talking about like a a knife wielding maniac you can't rationalize with this person and say hey i'm going to give you reasons you shouldn't kill me you know if you're talking about um uh, any kind of almost supernatural force that has a singular vision and a singular goal you're kind of it's 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 a very difficult thing. I always come back to like like Terminator, for example, the first Terminator film, the way Reese explains the Terminator to Sarah Connor in that he won't sleep, he doesn't rest, he doesn't eat, he has one goal and it's to kill you. He won't stop. It won't stop. He will keep coming for you. And it's just it's funny because that that is probably the line in that movie that had the biggest like wow. Like that line for me totally puts you in that film. 
you know, where you think, Jesus, can you imagine something who is as physically and visually intimidating as, as Arnold coming for you? And it won't rest. Its only goal, its only focus is your death. And horror is generally like that. It is someone who doesn't care about you as a person and all element of humanity. And at times, if you're talking about a person who's after you or a group of people, you're removing all elements of humanity from them because your, your suffering is their joy. Do you know what I mean? And it's a yeah. very horrible and scary element of humanity. I think that you're 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 kind of you know you, in general you don't look at something like that as oh this is real people there are people out there like that but in ways that kind of sort of are do you know what I mean? And it, I yeah. find that kind of scary. I find that, that a contingent of 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 of, of people who will just relish in your pain and suffering and just, yeah, the removal of humanity is probably the best way to describe overall horror that scares me. I uh, think that's like a funny just, point. Okay. Sorry, I, just, just very quickly. Um, in um, Jason versus Freddy, or Freddy versus Jason, which is a film that exists, believe it or not, it's brilliant. <laughs> That's, funny, that's on, on a few Freddy films I can watch and be like, hey, that's quite funny. It, it's <laughs> ridiculous because it has a moment in it where, for some reason, Fre- Freddy, Freddy becomes more of a threat. So Freddy's killing, you know, more... I, I, don't, I don't know why, but he becomes the, the uber-villain of the, the, the children who are trying to get away from them. And at one point, uh, Jason, you know, starts to fight and connect with J- uh, Freddy and stop him from what he was doing. And then these kids almost like re- respond to Jason like he's the hero and go towards him to sort of thank him. At which point, Jason just instantly kills them. And <laughs> the funniest point in any movie because if you think about every film that's out there even if they're pretending even if even if the pretense doesn't last someone's always bad someone's always good it's good versus evil and in this film it's evil versus evil with everything else in between getting killed as a result or benefiting as a result but only by fluke and it's it's just yeah, it was just one of the most perfect moments when you know a girl or a boy or both of them like oh thank thanks Jason smack kill dead and you're like ah well yeah that's he's that's not- his deal yeah <laughs> sorry TJ I I cut you off no no I was, I was just gonna say kind of tacking on to Imran's point a bit about the why those characters are horrifying. I I think there's also an element of me um, taking it to another level and kind of thinking someone actually came up with that character. Someone actually had a thought to come up with a character who could be this evil and be this relentless. And I think that's that maybe that element of it scares me as well, that people, someone can have the imagination to come up with something so horrifying yeah. Um and actions that are so horrifying. Um 
you know, when you look at, uh, you know, so especially some of the, like, the torture porn um, stuff, to look at a lot of the things that they put in those films, it's like someone had to sit down and go, right, if I did this, it would end up doing this, or the person would react this way, or this person's motivation for killing and doing this to, to this person is like that in itself, I, I find slightly disturbing, not mm. horrifying, but that I find a little bit disturbing as well. Even but, filming stuff like that. I mean, I, I yeah. can't even think how you put yourself in a, a, a mind space where you carry stuff like this out, you know, mm. it, it, obviously, you know, but you, you, like a good actor would, you have to, you know, for it to be believable as a viewer, you have to make yourself, as to put yourself in this space of relishing moments mm. of just extreme horror. You, you both, if you get a chance, watch. Uh, it's on, it's on Shudder, but I think I don't know. There might be other ways you can get hold of it. But it's a a series called Cursed Films, and it it talks about the events that happened. Around films like, oh, I'm sure you've heard about this, but um, a lot of people died during oh, the Poltergeist. Yeah, of the Poltergeist films. Yeah, that is even worse. So, no. And <laughs> 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 so much no. And the same with um, The Exorcist. There's, there's so much. Well, yeah, there's so much stuff you can unpack about what happened or what didn't happen and, and, you know, all these things that are, were they bad luck or was there genuinely some kind of reaction to what they were filming? Um, the, the biggest one I have to say, it, it is quite, it's quite funny, but also quite harrowing that in um, the film, let me get this right. Yeah, it was Poltergeist in the film Poltergeist. They use, there's a load of skeletons that kind of come up from this sort of mud and water. And there was a lot of vilification of the special effects people because they're said to have used, you know, real skeletons. Oh, geez. Which is quite yes. a common thing because it's cheaper to buy, you know, a, a skeleton from a, I don't know, I don't know where you would scientific hospital or something like that than it was to, 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 to build a skeleton from scratch. Um, but yeah, there was, they, they said, you know, they, and this guy on film is actually gets really angry about it. He's like, you know, this is rubbish. You know, we, we did, we, we people in this industry did do this all the time. You know, these weren't, they're not cursed body bodies or cursed skeletons. And, but you're kind of like, you're, you still at the end of it, you're left with the fact that, yes, they were skeletons that were used mm. to, to film this scene. And as much as you kind of think, well, okay, I'm not saying they were cursed, but it is still quite horrendous that that is something, uh, quite a common practice when you think about it. But yeah, oh, cursed film, crazy. Wow. check it out. It, it does... There's a lot, especially the films we were talking about at the start, uh, TJ, the, you know, the, the stuff that has religious or cult or, you know, other kind of um, grounded similarities to real life happenings and fiction. 
I mean, I'd like to say that I'll give it a go, but the truth is, <laughs> thanks for the suggestion, all the same, but it ain't gonna happen. So, my my final question, if I if I may, I mean, I've kind of posed the question to Tej and I, uh, but for Dan, like, why do you love him so much? Um, I think. Well, I, I think kind of the reasons why I talked about you know kind of the apocalyptic stuff anything that, that's got real imagination uh, and kind of storytelling and layers and you know presents something that you can invest in and, and, and feel you know I don't know it, it's like there's a movie called Troll Hunter was it Troll Hunter or Troll Hunters um which uh, they were supposed to be remaking a, a, an American remake, but it's 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 set in Norway, and in Norway there's a lot of um, kind of children's fictions and folklore about trolls. They they really do, you know, far more than we. I mean, you know, we have Billy Goat Scruff and Troll Under a Bridge over mm-hmm. here, but in there it, it's much more interwoven into their their kind of society they're the you know they're they're then there's books and you know children's stories so that the the fact that they they did a film where you know trolls are really real and they brought them to life was just incredible it's just incredibly cool and i think other than science fiction most you know most horror films have just an element to them that that whether it's just surreal, you know, as as I think the 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 good side of what uh, TJ was saying is, think how do people come up with these things, um, mm. and how do how do people come up with you know play with our base fears and and kind of take you out of your comfort zone and show you these things that you you kind of respond to in a way that you you, you know you don't tend to with anything else. Um, but I would say today, you know, you only got to watch the news for half an hour or ten minutes, and it's most things. Most things like that are far more scary than, than than anything you could watch in in the the movies that come out today. Because I I, I genuinely feel it, it. There isn't that much. It's probably I'd say one in ten horror movies that that come out. That actually get some kind of mainstream release, whether or not it's on in the cinema or just gets enough attention, is any good? It just there isn't there isn't much out there um, in terms of original, like Doctor Sleep. Don't get me wrong; it's a great film, but it, it's a sequel, you know. Um, a Quiet Place has done exceptionally well. Yeah, but I wouldn't even call that. It, it's it's more sci-fi. I mean, it, it's sort of sci-fi horror, which is okay, also fair enough. Yeah. A good genre, but yeah, you you are right that, but it it it's the only element it it's not that original. You see the creatures. This this is the other thing. Um, I, I, it's been years since I've watched a horror or a sci-fi or a sci-fi horror or any element where there's a creature in it, and and thought, oh wow, the design on that that's that's so new. I've never seen anything like that. It you know there, there's just not. 
that level of imagination out there anymore to create something that you you've not seen a hundred times before the film the two films i could talk to you both about that i would say somehow well in fact there's 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 two filmmakers um out there that are doing things a little bit differently the the first is um is it jordan peele I got that right? right yeah, yeah. So Jordan Peele. Um, yeah, he... I mean, he's he's fantastic. I mean, uh, Key and Peele, the, the comedy series, I, I recommend that. Yeah, so, it's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. So it's just some of the best sketch comedy there is out there. But, you know, his films, um, Us... Us and, is amazing, yeah. Yeah, and what, what was the... Um, get Out. And Get Out. Hmm. are just brilliant they're just brilliant takes i mean get out is actually quite is heavily derivative i would say where that goes isn't particularly that original but the way it's paced the the way it's fundamental take on you know uh i don't know kind of southern america and anyway i won't go into it too much but it, it it's brilliant but it's not; it's heavily derivative. Whereas I think us is—I don't know—I've not seen anything like that before. Um, it, it, it's the first film. I mean, the evil doppelgangers. Don't get me wrong; that's nothing new. But I think us did something quite different. And the the other filmmaker, um, he did Hereditary and Midsummer. Uh, Ari Aster. Those two films are he he's the king at creating films that are incredibly hard to watch and yet uh, they are just incredible pieces of cinema um I'm not sure either of you would want to sit through them because they do they do, it, that, both films push the envelope um in terms of in terms of sort of elements of sort of torture and gore and death and deconstructing ego and conscience and character and all we've passed for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't know. I don't know how. But anyway, but yeah, but Ari Aster and Jordan Peele are the two horror makers, directors, writers at the moment that are doing brilliant stuff. And Jordan Peele, I believe he's been involved heavily in the the remake of Candyman that's coming. Um, And he's also been heavily involved with the the new uh, Twilight Zone uh, series, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I would say those those are the two uh, filmmakers that um, to look out for. But I would say caution that everything Blumhouse puts out there. Well, not all of it's bad. In fact, not any of it's particularly bad. It's just very kind of cut and paste. Mm. Oh look, there's there's a there's a nun that looks like a bloke. 
There's a <laughs> there's a <laughs> comedy then. <laughs> this is it. This is it. They they did the the Conjuring. The first Conjuring film was fantastic. The second Conjuring film, uh, not as good. But then they just kind of went off in this really random. Oh, we're going to have an evil nun, and the evil nun. We're going to have the backstory of the evil nun, and then Annabelle. Well, in the evil nun. <laughs> well, but, it, but the thing is, it's not a nun. That's the whole point. It sort of takes the form of a nun occasionally or something. It's just like, what? so why is it a nun in the... Oh, yeah, don't get me started. But, you know, they, they, they milk everything. Like Annabelle was... I think the first one was okay. Um, and then, they, you know, they, they, they... But there was barely enough material for one. Yet they, they made three films out of it. And I think that's the problem. And um, what's the one... Um, Oh, I can't remember. Oh, damn it! There's um, I can see it in my in my mind, but I can't remember the name. But yeah, there, there's there's another uh, franchise from Blumhouse which has like got four films or five films. Insidious, probably Insidious. Okay. Yeah, and I and I think that. They started off making some good films, but now they're just like it. Just feels like they're churning them out, and every every film I see of theirs is is a little bit less good as the one before. Less good? Can does that, does that work as a sentence? I think less gooder. Less good. Yeah, just not as effective and interesting as the one before it. So, but that's. Don't get me wrong; they they still do some good films, so I don't want to be beat on them. But yeah. So is there is there anything? I mean, I guess like a zombie film. To both of you, would you watch a zombie film? Because I don't, I don't think apart from Shaun Creepy, the Shaun of the Dead classic. <laughs> the, the apocalyptic films aren't particularly scary. Just, no, I've seen zombie films. Yeah. I've seen Twenty Eight Days Later and the oh. uh, the Dawn of the Dead. Uh, one which had the hyped up zombies, which was the what, what did you call them? Rage zombies? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, those are god oh, scary. Yeah, yeah, like the way it just yeah. pace you. Like, geez, run faster than faster than me. I, I prefer the slow walking ones, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the rage ones, Jesus, scary as hell. Well, there you go. Well, they're horror films, so if you yeah, yeah, um, I, 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 my only issue with zombie movies and. Having worked in the games industry as well, is I just got really sick and tired of zombies generally. Yeah. Because especially especially in the games industry, there was this period in time where just every other game was zombie, 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 like yeah. zombie related or had a zombie mode or it just and I just got so oversaturated with it. I just I was like, I'm done. I, I zombies can do one now. And then Walking Dead was huge <laughs> as well. Um, and I think there was a bunch of zombie films that kind of came out quite close together in, in a short period of time, and I was just like, yeah. You're, you're all right. I mean, it, 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 it seems to go in, in waves, waves of infection. No, it, it goes in waves that <laughs> there's loads of vampire films, then there's a lot Vampires of... Vampires I could do all day, actually. You what? Big, vampires I could do all day. I like a vampire film. Really? You see, I... I struggle with it. I mean, like uh, from Dust to Dawn is fantastic, 
but yeah. I, I I couldn't watch the uh, twice. And the wow, okay, that's got werewolves in it, so I'll give that a pass. Yeah. But, but yeah, it does it does go in phases, and I think the um, the zombie. Yeah, zombie films, it just got ridiculous. There's probably about a thousand zombie films got made mm. in about five years, and it was just it was just too much because it drowns out the, the, you know, the good zombie films that, that were made in amongst those. But, yeah, uh, I think luckily that's died out as, as, as a vogue now, um, and it feels like there's more things being made that are vampire-related at the moment, um, especially TV series. Um, but yeah, but yeah, anyway, I guess we better wrap up because we've probably gone on longer than we usually do. Oh, I was going to add, throw in one last uh, name into the bucket. Uh, I was a kid, um, TV show. And I, I, I don't necessarily think it's horror as such, but it's along the lines of kind of twilight zone and outer limits, but, um, tales of the unexpected. Brilliant pick. Um, show always used to weird me out. Um, the opening I think, credits were scary opening credits, as hell. Yeah. Do you know what? For years, I thought I was just being weird. But then <laughs> talking to people about that opening sequence, everyone's like, yeah, the opening credits, they used to freak me out, man. It's like, oh, my God. I'm going to YouTube um, that right now, actually. Jesus, it's been years. <laughs> but they've been... The song goes, da, da, That's da. the one. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and they're all written by Roald Dahl, which is even more weird. I did um, not know that. Is that real? It's brilliant. So if you watch the earlier season, so they've been re-showing it on one of the Sky channels, uh, or they were for a while. And in the uh, in the first two or three seasons of it, uh, and he these are all stories that he wrote, the first two or three seasons, he uh, he was narrating it. So he'd come on at the start, a bit like um, like the Tales of the uh, Twilight Zone, sorry, where you get like the guy explaining what the, the short story is going to be about. But you'd, you'd go into this room and it'd be Roald Dahl sitting next to a fire in like a comfy chair and he'd like narrate what the story was going to be about or it'd be like oh. a cautionary tale about blah, 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 blah. Um, you might find some of the stuff on YouTube, but uh, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, and some of the stories are actually really very, very, very clever. Um, but again, if you, I mean, if you like your Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, that sort of, weird short story format um then yeah it's worth worth kind of going back and checking out some old school tales of the unexpected wow i did i i i watched i've not i've not seen all of them but i did remember watching them i I watched the outer limits um tales of the unexpected uh a few twilight zone um and then obviously x-files fringe and that kind of just opened up from there but one one um i think actually imran you should watch this i think well tj you should watch it as well but one to watch with the kids if you can find it is jim henson's the storyteller oh you've mentioned this before it's just brilliant and 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 generally some of the stories are quite scary and weird and wonderful and but probably just you know, at a level that you could watch with your girls because they're, yeah, just, sorry, girl and boy. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll look it up. I'm trying to think, <laughs> I don't have any memory of 
It sounds dubious. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might watch it first. I'll get my wife to watch it first and then tell me if it's okay for me to watch it. <laughs> then, uh... Three stages of approval. <laughs> no, it, it's awesome. It's uh, narrated by John Hurt and a big fluffy dog. So what's not to like? Well, okay. You, yeah. Okay. Sold. But... <laughs> if the dog talks, I'm turning it off because that's too much. <laughs> Nice. Um, wow, God, I was I was going to say something. Um, oh no, I've forgotten it. But um, I, I am I am liking that there, there's lots of um, there's lots of TV series out at the moment, which does take that horror short story format, mm. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, what was the one um, that Jess was mentioning that I've I've downloaded? The oh, um, oh, what was it? It was Fifty States of Fright. That's it. Fifty States of Fright. Sorry, um, scrolling through my phone just to check what the message was to send me. But yeah, 50, 50 States of Fright. She's yeah, she's been. Uh, kind of short story format horror um it's really short story really short format actually she said like some of them are like five minutes long some of them uh, i think they're all under like 10 minutes or 15 minutes long oh wow uh, yeah that, that, i think like creep show because creep that's the other one creep shows back okay because creep show yeah there used to be yeah back in the god probably i think it's like Maybe late times. Yeah, uh, but that that's come back, and that a lot of a lot of the episodes are directed or starring in famous horror kind of people, directors, actors. Um, but the other one before, just to end on this, is called Into the Dark, mm-hmm. um, and it's another series of um, short stories, and yeah, it it it's just got. Um, one and and Iman, you will love it. You'll both love it, but but don't share with the kids because it's called Puka, um, and it's Sorry. about a demonic toy. Ooh. It's just well, it's not a toy. It's not, I'm not going to ruin it. I'm, it's not really the toy, but I'm not going to ruin any spoilers. But it's just fantastic, and it's not. I don't know. It's not. It's not what you think it is, and uh, yeah, it just got... silence is, is very telling. And uh, the child, <laughs> oh, I was just writing it down. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you should not watch. <laughs> yeah, to watch it, uh, TJ, because it's just I just loved it. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my one of the best kind of most effective short story horror shorts I, I've seen probably ever. It's just so good. Um, and it's not particularly scary. It's just, just a genius idea, and a twist. Anyway, cool. Well, thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, we shall be back again soon. Take it easy.